Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. Hello, thank you for joining us today at Connect Church. Uh, my name is Angela, and I serve as our Dream Team Director here at Connect Church. Uh, good news for you guys, I have never spoken for an adult service before, only youth group, so thank you for this opportunity to share today. Being up here speaking today is a good example of why you should not get too excited during preaching team meetings because then Pastor Dave will write your name on the Google document and that's how you end up here. Uh, but seriously, as much as I tried to uh, get out of this or talk myself out of it. I really just felt like I needed to be obedient. Uh, so I'm here a little bit out of my element, but excited to speak to you today. We're continuing our Known For series, and we will be talking about how Christians can be known for their attitude towards their work. Super exciting stuff. I know y'all just can't wait. Um, so work, otherwise known as our jobs, if we want to be fancy, we can call it our vocation. Uh, it's also known as that pesky thing that takes up a lot of our time. Uh, it's easy to get into a mode where we wake up, we go to work, we come home, we eat dinner, and we repeat without ever looking at how God fits into this huge part of our lives. A few years ago, I read a book called Garden City by John Mark Homer, and that helped change my perspective on God's view of work and what that means for my life. So here I am today, I have uh, reread it, and I'm excited to share uh, some of the things that really impacted my life from that book. So I'm sure that Many of you have some fun first job stories. For me, uh, I worked in a bridal shop, and what they don't tell you is that those dresses are actually very, very heavy, um, and it's not uncommon for uh, a customer to come in and want to try on 15 of them, so you lug them back and forth, you get them in and out of them, and then they walk away without buying anything. Uh, fortunately, this was before Say Yes to the Dress, and the bridezilla thing wasn't too much of, of an issue for me. Um, or I probably wouldn't have lasted at that job. Um, I went to college for biology, thinking that I would end up in the medical field. Turns out God had other plans, and he used campus ministry to begin to move my heart towards finding ways to serve in ministry after school. After graduating, I took a temp job at a bug lab, but ended up staying there and finding my place in the science field as an entomologist. So one of the highlights of this job is getting grainy pictures of bugs from people whenever they need a bug ID. Here's the deal, I really don't mind doing it, but if you guys could just up the picture quality a little bit, it would just help as I'm asking my coworkers uh, to help ID this bug for you. Uh, so for many years, a long time, alongside my lab job, I did youth ministry. Uh, but again, God moved my ministry in a different direction as I joined Connect Church. I love that we have all ages and stages here at Connect Church. Some of you might be retired from a job that you loved and you did for many years. Maybe others of you never quite settled in and you tried different things over the years. If you're on the younger side, 
maybe you're not quite sure yet what the end goal is and you're just going where the money is good. Or you're in college and you're trying to answer the age old question of what you want to do with your life. What we do is one of the most defining aspects of who we are. Think about it, when you meet someone new, usually pretty quickly it comes up, what do you do? At the heart of this, we're asking, what are you giving your life to? What we do matters. And yet, our church teaching is often more geared to who we are. What we do flows from who we are, so it's not a terrible thing, but maybe we need to spend a little bit more time on why what we do matters. Most of us can say that we spend more time working in a day than doing things like reading our Bible or praying, and yet that's often what our messages focus on. In church, we spend the majority of our time teaching people how to live the minority of their lives. We've bought into the lie that there's our spiritual life and then there's the rest of our life. Uh, Jesus modeled something different. He could have jumped right into ministry, but instead he was a tradesman for many years before coming a rabbi. He showed us how to live an integrated life between the secular and the spiritual. Let's pray as we get into our scripture today. God, we just thank you uh, for this opportunity in the series to just think about the things that we as Christians are known for, God. Um, and I just pray as we dive into some scripture and think about uh, how to be known for our work, God, that you would just um, open our hearts and our minds and just allow us to uh, just see what your word has for us today. Amen. Okay, so Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So in this passage, we see why God created humanity. He says they are to rule. It's not a word that we use often, but it's a lot like what we call work. In our culture, we operate under the mantra that we work to live. I think we're finding that is often a pretty miserable way to live. Genesis shows us that it was meant to be the reverse of this. We aren't to work to live, but instead we are to live to work. The idea of ruling means that we are to make something of God's world. We lose part of who we are when we're not working. Uh, there's actually some pretty crazy statistics that people who retire early often die soon after they retire. Um, and it's just a good reminder that sometimes we are, it's hard to believe that we could be created to work, but even some, some random statistics help show this and play this out. So. It's also why we're discontent when we're not working. If we're trying to find that job or we're in the messy middle, there's often discontentment there. God also creates man to partner with him in this. Again, God could have just offloaded all this work onto man and been done, but he chose to make us partners. He created mankind in his image. He put us on earth to make visible the invisible God and show the world what God is like. Sometimes we need to take a minute and remember that every single human on this earth was made in God's image. This makes us all kings and queens, and the entire earth is our kingdom. 
and it helps explain why God says that we are going to rule. A Hebrew scholar translated it as to actively partner with God in taking the world somewhere. This is great news. Uh, we're not just God's puppets on a string, but we are his partners. He could have just kept making us from the dust, but instead he gave us marriage and family. He could have just had food from the, fall from the sky. We saw him do this with the Israelites in Exodus, but instead he chose to allow us to work through agriculture. And he could have just put Adam and Eve in a city, but instead he left them in a garden to give them the opportunity to start a civilization. This means that work is a core part of our humanness. We've talked about how we are made in the image of God, but it's also true that we're made in the image of a working God. We are ruling on his behalf, taking the praise of creation, and we're pushing it back to God. We all have potential put in us by God, and we have to decide whether we will do good or evil in our ruling. This also means that we need to think of work as a good thing. And this can be a hard switch to make. Work is often a means to an end and not something that we view as good or especially not as something that can connect us to God. Again, Genesis 1.28 tells us to fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Theologians call this the cultural mandate. We are commanded to make culture. In calling us to subdue the earth, God is calling us to make something of the world we've been dropped into. It's easy for us to miss this and the great impact that we can have even in a small space. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. There are two ideas here. The first is that man is working the land, and the second is that he's taking care of it. The word work is the Hebrew word abad, and it basically means work, but that's not the only way that it can be translated. Sometimes it is also translated service, so work is service. Service to God, service to the people in his image, which again is everyone, but abad also has another meaning, and it's the same word used all over the Hebrew Bible for worship. When you go to work every day, it's an act of worship to the God who made you. Um, again, for me, this was a real game changer. Um, I, you know, we wake up, we go to work, but the idea that going to work is an act of worship to God really uh, takes some time to get in our brain and, and requires us to switch our thinking a little bit. Genesis 2, 9 through 14. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The first branch called the Pishon flowed around the entire land of Havilah where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch, called the Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Asher. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So, 
grew up in church, pretty familiar with the creation story. God did all the different things, the different days. I'm gonna be honest with you guys, pretty sure I never focused on this part of the passage and evidently always skipped over it. But if we dig in, we see that God is pointing us to the idea that Eden was full of raw materials and spilling with potential. Have you ever been in a situation where things weren't totally together, but you could just tell that there was potential there. Uh, for me, I was thinking about maybe a giant Lego set or that thousand piece puzzle. All the pieces are there and you see the potential, but you gotta get it together. This is what God is conveying here. Everything to make a civilization was present in Eden, but it would have to be cultivated. And that was gonna take work. Tim Keller has a great definition of work. He says that work is rearranging the raw materials of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. Believe it or not, this rhythm can be found in all sorts of work. Farmers take soil and seed and rearrange it into food to eat and enjoy. Builders take trees and they rearrange it into a home for someone to live in. Maybe a couple nails too. Uh, fashion designers take fabric and metal and they rearrange it into clothing with beauty and functionality. Graphic designers take shapes and colors and rearrange them into a catchy and tasteful design. The Garden of Eden was dynamic and not static. Put another way, it was a project and not a product. God's vision was for all the goodness of Eden to spread out over the whole earth with humans being the ones to accomplish this. Um, our theme for the church, our church this year is being kingdom hearted. And we've talked a lot about how we partner with God to bring heaven to earth. Um, and hopefully this idea of um, God's vision for the goodness of Eden to spread out over the whole earth is another way, it's resonating as another way for us to bring heaven to earth. 1 Corinthians 3, 8 through 9, Paul says, Now the one planting and the one watering are one in purpose, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. Uh, did you catch that we are God's co-workers? That's not usually how I think of it. I'm usually more likely to think of myself as his employee, uh, probably can get into the mentality where hopefully I'm doing enough to garner some favor. And there is some truth to us working for him, but when we view ourselves as coworkers with God, it means we're not only working for him, but we are working with him. He's taking us back to this idea of partnership. What's the difference between an employee and a partner? The difference is ownership. Not everyone gets to have this experience, but I've heard stories of how different it is to work for someone else versus working for yourself. When you're working for yourself, all of a sudden, you're very aware of where your time, your money, your supplies, uh, where all these things are going because the buck stops with you, and if these things are being wasted, that's money that's coming from you. This isn't to make us scared of God, but by calling us partners, he is reminding us of the stake that we have in our work. We are never just doing a job. We always have an opportunity to partner with God and move his projects forward. A common thing that comes up is how do I know how God wants me to partner with him? There's a big fancy word that I like, uh, vocation. It comes from the Latin word vocatio, and it basically means calling. I think sometimes in the church, we have made the divide between the sacred and the secular a little too wide. 
I do believe that God calls pastors and missionaries. We see examples in scripture of the way that God calls different individuals. I think we've even heard from members of staff here how God has called them um, into this work. But I also believe that lets a lot of us working secular jobs off the hook. A better way to think about calling is as what God made you to do or how you're hardwired by him. I know this makes me sound a little bit idealistic. Uh, there are gonna be times when the best job is the one that hires you and is paying you and you need to stay there for a season. But I think part of partnering with God can also mean taking steps and seeing how what we do is growing out of who we are. Uh, so back to my bug lab question, my bug lab job. A lot of people, when they hear that I'm an entomologist, go, how in the world did you end up there? Um, and if I think about it, I grew up on a farm, lots of open space. Uh, I think back in particular to walking up the driveway every day after school. And whenever it would rain, I would rescue all the earthworms and take them off the driveway so no one ran them over. Uh, probably grossed my cousin and my brothers out along the way. Um, so suddenly, being in a profession where I'm working with bugs um, and trying to bring some order back to our world, it seems like a little bit less of a stretch. But this didn't happen quickly, and my calling keeps Keeps growing with me. For our younger crew or anyone who is still working on how they can best partner with God in their work, here are a few questions. What do you love? Um, again, not everyone is going to get to do exactly what they love, but it's a good place to start. Uh, what are you good at and bad at? Uh, these are both helpful questions. You can be really good at something, but maybe the job requires uh, another skill that you're not great at. These have to be weighed together. Um, what does your world need? Before this sounds too much, like I'm just telling you to chase a wild dream, remember the word abad and that work is serving. As Christians, we believe that fulfillment is found in giving our lives away and not hanging on to them. Jesus was a servant and we are called to be servants as well. Your calling doesn't need to be glamorous, hip, or in style. For civilization to thrive, we need all types of callings. So back to a couple more questions. What are the open doors in your life? Uh, sometimes we're searching for something when there's an opening right in front of us. Don't, you know, walk away from sometimes things like that. Um, and this is a good one. What are people who know you saying? Uh, hopefully you have some people in your life who know your strengths and your weaknesses. Sit down with them. Um, get their wisdom on what they think you're good at. And lastly, what's the spirit stirring in your life? For most of us, our calling starts out vague and unclear, but over time it comes into focus. Again, for you younger crew, uh, if you talk to the older people, not everyone here knew what they were doing at 18. <laughs> Take some hope and some comfort in that. Sometimes it takes a little while um, for God to just reveal exactly uh, how he's going to work things out. Um, and don't be afraid to let others in to walk this journey with you. Um, if you're younger, you can always reach out to someone older here and just hear their story, see how they found their way into their work. Um, so another thing to remember as we think about all this is that all work is spiritual. Three quarters of the Bible is in Hebrew, and they actually have no word for spiritual in that language. That's because in a Hebrew worldview, again, all of life is spiritual. And even in the New Testament, the world's word spiritual is really only used by Paul. And the word ministry really means service. 
This means that whatever your occupation, you are a minister. If we let ourselves buy into this sacred secular divide, it compartmentalizes God. We can have a God box, a work box, a rest box, a TV box, a money box, a going out to dinner box. You get the point. There are a lot of boxes and God gets shut out of the bulk of our lives. Instead, we need to remember that work all by itself and for its own sake is good. And sometimes partnering with God for work means that we show up for our jobs and do them really, really, really well. And as you embody Jesus to all those you work with, you are giving them a glimpse of what Jesus's way is all about. And hopefully it can lead to an invitation for them to join you in following him. I think often of Paul's encouragement in 1 Corinthians 10 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. How we do our work matters. Um, this is a tough one, uh, especially if we're working for a bigger company and we're just another face. It's really tempting uh, to phone it in sometimes. There are days I don't feel like it. Uh, but how we do our work matters. We make the invisible God visible to our world by what we do and how we do it. Some of your work is going to glorify God directly. But for a lot of us, it's going to glorify him indirectly, and that's okay. Um, it's actually kind of a fun game to pick a random occupation and see how it can glorify God. I remember doing this with my small group, uh, I don't know, probably sometime over the last year. And, you know, a, a teacher glorifies God by teaching children, help them develop potential. Uh, nurses glorify God by healing people and bringing them comfort. Um, and, and sometimes, so, so if we go back to our builder, that one's a little bit of a further stretch, but... As they build a home, they're giving a family a place to have comfort and meals and grow together. Um, so this, again, it's, it is really a good exercise to think about, no matter what you do, how it glorifies God. Um, and it just allows us to open our hearts and let God work there. So as we close, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul calls Jesus the last Adam. Paul's basic idea here is that because of Adam's disobedience, we all die. But because of Jesus's obedience, we can live. Then he ups the ante even more. Not only do we live, but we reign in life. This calls us back to what we read in Genesis. We stopped reading before the plot twist. Uh, that perfect gar garden that God set up for Adam and Eve was ruined when sin entered after their disobedience. And like Adam, we've all failed. But where Adam and you and I have failed, Jesus didn't. Jesus was able to do what all of us can't. He was obedient even to death on a cross. And immediately after his resurrection, he's called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he's taken up to heaven to sit at the right hand of God. And guess what he's doing there? He's ruling over the earth and he is inviting us to be part of it. If you're here today and you've never asked God to come into your life, you can do that. Um, we say this a lot. It's no special formula. Uh, it's just taking a chance and asking God for forgiveness and he will invite you into this partnership. As we learned today, this includes our work, but it also includes every other part of our life. Taking the step to follow him is giving him access to your heart and for all of you. Um, if you make this decision today, definitely uh, leave us a note, uh, comment. We would love to just 
be part of you taking the step and, and beginning this journey. For those of you who follow Jesus, a couple thoughts. If you've made it further than Genesis in your Bible reading plan, you know that in all of this talk of the ideal garden that God created, sin entered and messed that up. That doesn't get us off the hook of honoring God with our work. It is going to be hard and a little bit messy here, but if we skip to the end of the Bible, in the last two chapters of Revelation, John sees the future world remade after Jesus' return, and he gives us illusion after illusion to Eden. This is so cool. The end of the Bible is taking us right back to the beginning. However, this time, something has changed. It's not a garden anymore, but it's a garden-like city. That's because the garden in Genesis was not supposed to stay that way. It was always supposed to become a garden city. You are a modern day Adam or Eve. The world that we're in is what's left of the garden. Your job is to take all of the raw materials that are spread out in front of you, to work it, to take care of it, to rule it, subdue it, sometimes even wrestle, fight, to explore, and to take this creation project forward as an act of service and worship to the God who made you. This is not just a call to quit your job. Uh, please don't, uh, especially if you have a spouse, definitely don't do it without talking to them. Uh, this is how I get in big trouble the first time I speak. But would we take some time this week to ask God to help us partner with him as we work? Maybe you need to just spend some time this week thinking about how God designed work and ask him to show you how it is something spiritual. If that's new to you, think about that. Ask him to reveal that to you. Maybe you need to work through some of the questions mentioned above to get some further clarification on what your vocation or calling may be. Maybe you love your work, but you see that there are ways that you can do it to bring more glory to God. That's amazing. Uh, ask him to help you do that. Um, so this week, let's ask God to help us become people who live to work instead of working to live. God, again, we just thank you uh, for your word and just for the ways that it shapes our lives. I just pray that as we consider our work, God, I just thank you um, today just for this chance to learn more about how it is service to you, worship to you, God. Um, and I just pray that for everyone listening to this, that you would just help them to spend some time thinking about their work um, and that you would allow us to see how we can glorify you more um, in all that we do, but especially in our work, God. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.